This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Today, Rev. Dr. E.J. Buckhart is filling in for Dr. Hansen as he is with his daughter, Malita, who is in an intensive care unit in a hospital. We request that you lift up Dr. Hansen, and especially his daughter, Melita, for a speedy healing and recovery. Today's program was recorded at the Sabbath service we hold every week for the WMI staff and their families. This is part one of Dr. Buckhart's message, The Call, Mark, and Cost of the Disciples. Now, let's begin. Mark 3, and that's where I'll be starting, actually verse 14. And the title of the message has been changing over the last three days. Originally, it was called the Disciples. Then it got called the Call and the Mark of Disciples. And this morning, it got called and Cost and Mark of the Disciples. The Call of Disciples, the Mark, and the Cost. And it's going to be in Mark 3. Before I start, actually it's part of the start, but I can say this because he won't miss out on anything. Pastor has been teaching us, and everybody's listening to him. There is a problem in America, and we all know the problem if you follow anything on the news. It's not good. And there's other pastors that are doing the same thing. And they're coming out and they say, The problem is the lukewarm church and the pastors behind the pulpit. As I was thinking about that, there's not too many pulpits left in churches. No. There's lecterns. There's not many altars left in churches. There's stages. I mean, I grew up in a church where there was an altar railing and a kneeling pad. Some of you in the Catholic Church actually had kneeling pads in the pews, which I have nothing against because everybody could get down and kneel on these kneeling pads. They had a few, a lot of places that had, some of the Lutheran church I went there too, they had, at least the two front rows had kneeling pads. The rest of them did not. And, uh, but I thought it was kind of interesting that there's no more altars, there's no more stage, and basically, part of the message of repentance is not there. I mean, I've gone to some beautiful, beautiful worship service. But I have to close my eyes and not to watch, to watch the entertainers who are singing the songs. There's a difference between entertaining and worship. It's a fine line, I think. But there is a fine line. 
And so I, I've discovered that when I'm, when I'm singing songs, I like to close my eyes and just sing the words and worship the Lord and not be distracted by some of the things that are going on behind the scenes. But worship, and I'm not saying these people aren't worshiping the Lord. They are. But there's also that little bit of a worldly influence. Now, I've come from the old school, which many of you don't. And so I see things that used to be in the church that's no longer in the church. I remember in Cedar Park, uh, the senior pastor's mother, and I sat there talking one day, and she says, you know, it used to be kids were never allowed up on the altar running and playing. The altar was a sacred place. And when you go to Korea, if you want to go up on the stage or the altar area, you take your shoes off. You're walking on holy ground. It's a respect. There's nothing, you know, holy about it necessarily, but it's respect. To respect for the Lord. And I think we're right now in our society, we've lost that respect for the Lord. We've been blessed. And unfortunately, when you go through a lot of blessings, who needs the Lord? And that's when we, these songs had so much to say that praise the Lord at all times. And as I mentioned earlier, when I was reading scripture at Psalm 25, we need to praise the Lord in the tough times. So that we can go through the tough times, but also go through the blessings. And then continue to bless the Lord, even when you have blessings. And there's very few of us here that not have been blessed by the Lord. If you want to take a look at our lives compared to some of those around the world, we are a blessed people. But at the same time, as pastors been warning and others, we better be careful. Once you start to remove the Lord from your blessings, you come underneath the cursings. And if you read, uh, what book is it, the 28th chapter of one of the years, talked about the cursings and the blessings. The blessings are few. The cursings are huge. Yeah, I think it's Deuteronomy 28. Okay. Mark 3.14. I'm going to start. And he ordained twelve that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach and to have power to heal the sickness and to cast out devils. God, Jesus ordained his 12 disciples to be with him. Why would he say to be with him? I was thinking about that. You know, I've worked with pastor for 20 some years. And I know what it's like to work under the anointing. Uh, his anointing when I'm working with him. Because I'm with him, his anointing can go with me. And when I lay hands on the sick or pray for the people, I see things happen. Is that my anointing at this time? No. It was a pastor's anointing, and I'm following him. When Jesus says that he would be with them, his anointing would be with them, and they might send him forth to preach and to have the power for sickness and to cast out devils. Had the Holy Spirit been given, the baptism of the Holy Spirit been given at this time? It has not. So I was thinking about that. And so and then this thought with Pastor, and I've worked with him. You know, you can receive an anointing from being with an anointed person. And that person can use you in ministry. Before you've been totally filled with the Holy Spirit, then you do it yourself because now you have the anointing. And Jesus gave the anointing, which we'll get into, 
at Pentecost. He says here to preach the power to heal. And if you look at Matthew 10.1, you don't do it. It says all manner of diseases, not certain type of diseases, all manner of diseases. We got some diseases running around this country right now and around the world. Jesus is a big deal. I can heal all manner of diseases. I don't care if they're created by the devil or they're created by man. I have given you the power to heal. So instead of getting all concerned about people who are coming down with diseases, we should pray for those and heal those and lay hands on those that are sick and show them the power of God. That's what the pastors have been called to do. And as a minister of the gospel, we've been called to do that. Not just pastors. We have been called to heal the sick, to anoint them with oil. We don't do the healing, but when we do what God tells us to do, to lay hands on the sick, pray for the sick, God will heal them. This is what we're looking at right now. We've got a, a daughter of this church that needs a special, special touch of the Lord. And He is going to touch her. He is going to touch her in a mighty way. I know that in my heart. If you go to Mark 6, starting at verse 7, it says, And he called to, unto him the twelve, that Jesus called the twelve, and he began to send them forth two by two, and gave them power over the unclean spirits. Two by two. We are not in this alone as we go out to minister. I know this is why pastor always loves to have somebody with him when he's ministering. And I think it comes back to the scripture. It says you go out two by two. We're not lone rangers in this world serving the Lord. We are serving together with others. So we do go out two by two. And I got a little note here. This is for Adelia. Two by two, Dr. Henson and Adelia. And if you've listened to those two being ministering together, you see this two by two as an example of the power that takes place. Neither one has the greatest authority over the other because the Holy Spirit uses each and every one of them when he decides to use them. And as I spoke last week, we got to know when to keep our mouth shut and let the Spirit move with that person. We need to do that. It's interesting, at their wedding here, Pastor Emmett Glantz made a, over them, said, you two now, you have separate ministries before now, but now that you two are together, you're going to have a powerful, powerful ministry. And we're seeing that. I talked to Emmett here a couple of weeks ago, and I told him about that, and he, and he said, that was confirmation, thank you. But that's the word he got from the Lord. We have power over the unclean spirits. In verse 12, And they went out and preached that men should repent. What is preaching? It's preaching repentance and forgiveness. I believe that's lacking in a lot of churches. They're not really having altars where people can come forward and repent. 
The Lord's Prayer, and we was in a men's prayer, and I happened to talk to pastor about this. He said, you need to make a sermon out of this one, but I haven't done that yet. But it says, forgive those who sin against you. How does that go? Uh, yeah. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, will be done. <laughs> those trespass against us. Well, if you need to forgive, there's something has to go before forgiveness. It's repent. And all pastors, every church, many people pray the Lord's Prayer. A lot of churches have stopped praying the Lord's Prayer, and I don't know why. But they do pray the Lord's Prayer. But the Lord's Prayer says forgiveness. Forgiveness requires repentance. And as pastor says, the church needs to repent. Now, God was going to bring judgment on Nineveh. And it says God repented. Not that God sinned, <laughs> but he repented because the people prayed, so he didn't bring the judgment upon Nineveh. When you read the word about God repented, it means that he, changed, he didn't change his mind, but because the people repented, he had to live up to his word. If they repent, i got to forgive them. I'm sorry, folks. God's a man of his word. He, he has to do that. Sodom and Gomorrah, what happened there? There was no repentance. If they would have repented, would God have saved that, those cities? He would have had to. He had to stand of this word. But there was no repentance. America, what we're going through right now, America needs a lot of repentance. And I don't think you're going to find the government in a position to repent. It's the church that has to repent. And not just the pastors, but the people. That's you and I. And then we've got to learn how to trust and obey and have confidence that he will see us through all we think. That's his word says, he'll see us through all things. Psalms 91, which many people now are praying daily because it's such a powerful thing. But they've got to remember, you've got to repent, you've got to obey. And then God will see you through. As we talked earlier, you know, about the Red Sea crossing. What if God, if, what if the people would have repented before they crossed the Red Sea? Would they have to go through the suffering of the wilderness? Do we have to go through the suffering of the wilderness because we did not repent, maybe? So we have to see some sometimes? I think it's safe to say with Melita right now, she's, she's done, she needs some repentance in her life. But God's going to forgive her. That's not a problem whatsoever. But once she repents, do you realize the powerful message this gal's going to have? It'll be the third time she's been saved from death. Three times. There's something about three times. Christ was in the grave three times. When he came out, wow. He upset the world. Changed the world. Luke 9, 1 and 2, and he called the disciples together and gave them power and authority over the devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. Preach the kingdom of God. John the Baptist 
stated, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. What was the first words of Jesus after he came out of the temptations recorded in the scripture? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And that's the key. That's the key to what we're facing. Luke 24, 46 through 49. It looks like you guys in computers can get to it faster than I can if I flip the pages of the book. 24, 46 through 49. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it be of Christ to suffer and to raise from the dead the third day, that the repentance and the remissions of sin should be preached in the name of all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I promise of my Father upon you, but tarry to the city of Jerusalem until you get endued with the power on high. And Luke 13, 2 and 5. And Jesus said to them, Suppose that ye Galileans were sinners above all Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay. Except that you repent, ye shall likewise perish. Of those eighteen upon whom the tower of Siloam fell and slew them, Think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I say nay, but except you repent, you shall likewise perish. Repentance, repentance is what we need. Jesus refers to it many, many times. John the Baptist, and there's some very powerful preachers out there today preaching repentance. And they're seeing some powerful things happening within their church as they take that stand. Going back to Mark 6, going to verse 13. Oh, that's 12. And they went out and preached that all men should repent. And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil that many were sick. And healed them. The reason the people got healed was because they repented. And then God allowed them to be healed. Now, I think God does sometimes heal people without repentance. But normally those people that are healing without repentance really don't know who Jesus is. He heals them and touches them because they had faith. If they called upon Jesus, he would touch them. Because all the healings you see in, in, in the Gospels, you know, they called out to Jesus. It doesn't really talk too much. They repented. They called out to Jesus. So Jesus heals without repentance. But I also believe nations don't get healed without repentance. I think there's a difference between a human life and a nation. That's only my thoughts. Okay? That's my thoughts. And then in verse 8 and 9, I thought found something kind of interesting. And I'm going to relate this to the present day church too. And they commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff only, no script, no bread, no money in the purse. 
They didn't have the New Testament, by the way. They didn't have the Old Testament. But they didn't have the Torah with them because there's only a few of them. So when they went out, they didn't have any script. They didn't carry a Bible with them. They didn't carry the Torah with them. We've got to understand there's a whole different culture here that the disciples grew up in than what we're growing up in. We have so much available to us. I see my wife shaking her head. Okay. Okay, we're at uh, Mark 6. 8 through 9. And I'm going to go to Luke 9, 3 real quick. And it says, And he said to them, Take nothing for your money, neither stave nor script, neither bread, neither money, neither have two coats apiece. And whatever house you entered, therein abide, and then depart. And whoever will not receive you, when you go out of that city, shake the very dust off your feet as a testimony against them. But once again here, as the synoptic gospels repeat things over and over, the Lord said, don't take anything with you. Don't take your wealth with you. Many churches today are very, very wealthy. There's pastors who have three homes, have cars. Now, I'm not saying this is bad not to have money, okay? Money is not the root of all evil. Love is. But I think the church has gotten to the point that we've taken kind of the idea of the world. Success is based on how much you have. How much you can take with you. And I think this story, this is a funny, strange story, but there was a very wealthy man. And everybody showed up for his funeral. And the procession was miles long. And there was an armored car. I said, well, we, we got to get on work. So he just pulled in line with the, with the parade of people worshiping or celebrating his death or whatever case you want to put it. And one guy turned to the other guy and says, and they said he couldn't take it with him. <laughs> no, you cannot take it with you. But, you know, when I grew up, the man who confirmed me in the Lutheran church, we have confirmation, you go through about two years of study in, under the pastor, and then they confirm you into the, into the church. And the pastor that confirmed me was an elderly gentleman, but remember, the church that I went to, we the church owned the parsonage. The pastor did not own a house. Houses were part of his job when he went to serve at that congregation. The parsonage was usually right next to the church, which made it nice and convenient. It's like I live right next door to this ministry. It makes it very nice and convenient. Don't have to spend money on gas to go there. But anyway, the man who pastor confirmed me came up a visit because we were without a pastor at the time. This pastor took no salary, not a dime from the church that he served. They had a parsonage that he lived in. Believe it or not, people brought him everything he needed. The necessities of life. I didn't think too much about it, but I think back on that, you know, how things have changed. Now, we would look at, the, I don't know what we'd look at, he'd probably call it a homeless man or something, I don't know. But he was in love with the Lord and all he did is try to do what Jesus said, is serve him. Fantastic man of the Lord. But nowadays, we see pastors running around in fancy cars. Now, if someone gives you a fancy car, no problem. That's, that's a gift. I mean, this man, this pastor, people gave him everything. They gave him cars, they gave him everything. He had no needs. So if someone gives you a car... 
And I know pastors that, come, that, that the ministries have given them cars, wealthy people, because God uses wealthy people to take care of those that are serving the Lord. They can give you an airplane. And like pastor says, they give him an airplane, and hopefully they give him the credit card to go along with it. <laughs> but, you know, there, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with wealth. But if you're a true minister of the gospel, I think we kind of look at the Bible and say, hey, wait a second. Your needs should be met. But beyond that, don't be the way of the world. Because that will corrupt you. That will corrupt you. The story of where it says the eye of a needle. It's harder for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, until that was explained to me, I have a hard time with that one. My wife's a sore. You know how a needle, you know how small that little eye is in that needle? No way would any rich man be able to go if that's a tool. A camel cannot go through an eye of a needle, period. That means no wealthy person could go to heaven, which we know is not the case. So what did it mean by the eye of the needle? Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.